Hello and welcome back to Untitled Talgies Podcast, a podcast where four old friends rewatch and discuss Gundam Wing. I am Kathy, your moderator for this episode, and I am joined as always by Kat, Mallory, and Caitlin. If you have been following along, you know that this week's episodes, episode 27, Locusts of Victory and Defeat, and episode 28, Passing Destinies, are recap episodes, following the unofficial season finale from last time. As mentioned previously, we will be spending the bulk of this episode discussing a topic near and dear to all of our hearts, Gundam Wing fanfic from the early 2000-ish, through the lens of one very special fic, Road Trip by Sun Hawk. But first, there isn't a lot to talk about that's new in episodes 27 and 28, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention two bits of new information we got. First, that Relina has switched wardrobes and is now in a Sank Kingdom school uniform, and she no longer is informing Hiro that she, he needs to come over here and kill her, but rather to return to her, echoing Katra's telepathic insight into Hiro's golden aura from the end of episode 26. And second, Trace is now being placed under house arrest by the Ramafeller Foundation for his speech in front of Duke Dermale. At the end of episode 28, we see that he's not alone in house arrest, but rather joined by a ghostly lady still in her peaceful ambassador outfit, who joins Trey's as he looks at blueprints of yet another mysterious Gundam-like mobile suit on his laptop, which, spoiler alert, is Epion. I think, you know, these are interesting episodes, and Caitlin, I know you have something to say about the way the recaps are done in 27 and 28. Yeah, I think that it's really interesting how they, I mean, that new information comes to us via these framing narratives, where you have Relina and a little bit Hero, and then Trey's narrating everything that's happened to them. So we get a Relina narration where she's much more strongly identifying herself as the ruler of the Saint Kingdom. And then we get a Trey's narration that links together a lot of his dubious political thought um, in the midst of his defeat. It felt like the first time we really understood like exactly what Lady Un thought his politics were or his plans were and how he changed those plans like explicitly. Yes, there was this moment where he reflects on the beauty of where he is trapped, which I believe is the Luxembourg base, but I don't know if they ever say that. And he articulates it as if to say, this is what I wanted to preserve. And this is what I joined Oz thinking it was to preserve. And then traces his change in thought, which I don't remember that ever coming through necessarily. What he thought he was doing originally before he became the Trey's that we know. Kathy, I did want to say that it felt like Trey's was really reciting from your theory of anime from last episode when he talks about these warriors with rebellious wings and how their like purity of spirit completely yeah. changed his life. Yes, I love it. I felt like a yeah. prophet. <laughs> I wrote, Kathy, strong wills, what purity, theory of anime in my notes. So there you go. Now we have to address the possibility that Kathy is Trey's. Trey's was God, he was Hannibal, and now he's Kathy. It does, I think, speak to why I've always found Trey's a really fascinating character, even if I think he is a huge asshole and none of his ideas make any sense. But, you know, I am always drawn to this idea of people who, and I think I phrased it as, get sucked into other people's deranged orbits. And Trey's is both a person who creates a deranged orbit around himself <laughs> and also gets sucked into the orbit of the Gundam pilots. So I do love that about him. Interesting. That is, explains a lot about you, 
but also makes me understand Trey's a little bit better framing him that way. I know you're sick of her, but I did like that Un finally figured out the soul of Oz. That the purpose of battles isn't limited to making ideals into reality. Since you brought it up, why does Trace refer to her as like my love or beloved? He says, Lady Un, my love, rest in peace. So is the show trying to make me believe that Trey's has feelings for Lady Un? Is it just awkward writing? I think it's just awkward writing, but also kind of that. I think the dub, at least, and I only listened to the dub this time, decided that Trey's was in love with her and is going with that. Both of these episodes felt very much like, hey, remember this heterosexual pairing? Yes, and I remember one time we talked about whether or not this show actually ships heterosexual pairings or just they thought they were, but they're just so horrible at writing heterosexual <laughs> romances that everything comes off really strange. And this is definitely an example of that. Like, I could see both sides of this, that we are supposed to believe that Trey's had romantic feelings for Lady Un, and then it just was written so poorly because nobody on the show has met a real woman before. <laughs> or... And I guess this would be my interpretation. It isn't that he is like romantically interested in her or was in love with her, but she was very important to him and represented, you know, one of the people that I think he welded the biggest influences on and that touches him deeply. And her quote unquote fate being that she is quote unquote dead um, at the end of episode 26 weighs heavily on him. But she's not dead. Why does he say it? I know that in the episode it's meant to be a fake out. Like, oh, we know we saw Lady Anne die. And then Trace is talking to her as though she's dead. So it's really not until the very end of episode 28 that we get the reveal that she's alive. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's address fake outs because there are characters talking in episodes 27 and 28. And I'm not sure if we are supposed to believe that they're talking at the time of the flashback footage being shown to us or afterwards right now in the world of episode 28. I think Relina's was the only narration that actually seemed like 100% anchored to what we were looking at. So like Trey's definitely, we hear his earlier thoughts at the beginning and then he explains how they've changed. But with Hero, it's just sort of like A and then B. B, right. When Hero in episode 27 says, I don't consider the other Gundam pilots my comrades. I've never had comrades from the start. I have no idea if this narration is trying to tell me that Hero, at this point in time currently, after episode 26, does not believe the Gundam pilots are his friends, or if he's referring to how he felt back then. I understood that as definitely he's talking about that point in the flashback. It, It is kind of thrown out there, And it seemed like by now he would have had so much interaction with these guys, especially at least with Troa, that it would be kind of wild for him to say that. Definitely considers Troa his comrade boyfriend. It it was making me laugh because we've been reading this fic, um, this road trip arc, and it's kind of incredible how much this arc, and we'll talk about this, how much this arc informed my idea of what the Gundam pilots relationships were or like their their relationship dynamics or that they had relationships with each other so when I read all these fic I was thinking like wow um I didn't see any of this coordination in the show like there are no safe houses in the episodes that I watched oh that like it's okay that must have come later and and now I'm later 
in the series and I'm finding out that actually they interact very tangentially for the most part, where I was imagining a lot more camaraderie as the episodes progressed. I know in episode zero, you're really distraught to learn that it's not like, uh, let's all five meet up and team up. Yeah. Kind of anime. (laughs) I mean, I'm really enjoying where it's going now. And I enjoy the sort of bits of relationships that we're getting and the ways that their personalities bounce off each other. And that's what makes that's what makes Gundam Wing such a rich field to mine for fic because you get all of these like glimpses of what these characters could be to each other within the canon of the show. And it's really easy for writers like Sunhawk to kind of just like take them and run. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about Road Trip by Sunhawk. Road Trip is part of a larger 17-part series called The Road Trip Arc by its fans. We are going to be talking mostly about just the first installment, which is actually barely shippy. Like, there are hints of the relationship that will come to be, especially the one times two part of it. And the rest of the series is very staunchly one times two with background three times four. Question mark with Wu Fei, which I'd really love to talk about later. But at least in the first part, it's kind of more of a, I don't know if action story is the right word. You know, it starts at some unspecified time in the canon. Hiro and Duo are escaping a mission that is kind of going south. They land on Earth on a beach. Hiro is badly injured. Duo is, you know, kind of beat up, but it's, it's still mostly functional. You know, he's not internally bleeding and, and concussed, which is what Hiro is. So he's forced to drive them to safety and eventually to a rendezvous point where the idea is that Katra and the others will pick them up. But when they get there, Oz is basically hot on their heels. So Duo is able to leave Hiro basically in secluded cover, but he has to redirect Oz's attention, which gets him into more trouble, and he almost essentially drowns. So exhausted, pummeled within an inch of his life, he limps his way back to a safe house. Again, unspecified location or why he knows that that thing is there, but whatever, where all the rest of the pilots are staying at. So that's Katatro and Wufei. Hiro's are in the hospital, you know, Dua basically passes out. He's given immediate medical attention, including drugs that cause him to lash out and nearly kill everybody around him. But finally, Hiro, near death himself, manages to sneak out of his hospital room to sit by Duo's side, um, which calms Duo's down, and the fic ends with them having this really cute exchange about Duo's IVs. So... I did want to talk about the landscape of fanfic reading at this time before we really dive deep into Road Trip itself. Do you guys have any memories, you know, or impressions of what it was like at the time when you first started reading Gundam Wing fanfic? I remember that I'm pretty sure I read this fic on a site that had either an all-black background with white text, a sepia-tinted background that was like, you know, like a light brownish and then like a sort of off gray text. Because back in 2000, the only HTML any of us knew was how to change background color and how to change font color. You could put one image. They had GIFs back then. And I don't, that's probably why my eyes are bad now. (laughs) Yeah, it was either like very weirdly colored websites or really, really intensely overstyled websites where it like, 
it's a little pop-up and it's butterfly shaped. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's like, like glitter yeah. and sparkles when you move your mouse and stuff. I didn't have fast, like I didn't get DSL until really late. Like I was a senior in high school. So all of these websites just like crashed our internet constantly. It was, it was hard for me to read those kinds of archives and stuff. The point here is that these fix were hosted on like a bunch of different sites and it was just small privately run, I guess you could say, archives. Like it's like it's one person who wants to save all the Gundam Wing fic in the world, um, which is actually why we have Road Trip preserved on AO3 archive of our own, um, which is that it's it's part of the Open Doors project where a archivist by the name of uh, Dacia, Dacia uh, used to run a site called A Little Piece of Gundam Wing she was really into duo. Um, she read pretty much every duo pairing, if I recall correctly. Like, she was really into, like, all duo pairings. Um, and she started collecting fic from various places where, like, she, she wanted to curate, like, the best fics in her mind. Um, so she would, like, ask authors, oh, can I host this on my site, too, after finding the fic other places. Um, and so she collected a bunch of, a bunch of fic. And as probably a lot of us know, Archive of Our Own, which is run by the Organization for Transformative Works, has a program called Open Doors where they will import archives that are closing, fan fiction archives that are closing, or that the maintainers just don't want to maintain anymore. Um, so they maintain, they import them wholesale from the original archive and put them on Archive of Our Own. It's pretty great because there are tons of fic from that time period that I wish... I could remember or find or go back and to be able to like even search stuff on AO3 that was on those is great. So we, we've talked about this before, but um, that's where Gundam Wing Addiction is actually pretty funny because they did rescue some of these sites. You know, we talked about the Izumi Fountain District with um, Alexanx stuff last time, but they also rescued... I want to say it's Lev or Lev Wolf or something like that. Leviathan's Lair. They're Leviathan's Lair. There we go. Oh, I remember this site. Wow, looking at this site is like getting slapped in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely read a lot of fic on A Little Piece of Gundam Wing, which I remember had a lot of text that was like accent text in orange. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And one of my favorite authors, well, they were an author pair, TB and Marsh, they were hosted on a little piece of Gundam Wing. That's where I first discovered them. But same thing with Sunhawk, who wrote two really famous series. You know, Road Trip is the first one. And in my memory, the more famous one, although I think some people might say it's the Ion Arc, which I really don't remember anymore. No, mm. I, I like reading Road Trip. It's sort of like if I didn't read Road Trip, I read a bunch of fix like it, but the Ion Arc doesn't really ring a bell. Okay. Yeah. So it was also the one that was easiest to talk about because the first part of Ion isn't really meaty enough, I think, to talk about. Whereas Road Trip, the first installment is almost perfectly self-encompassing of a lot of stuff. In terms of dates, you know, I cannot find a definitive date of when Sunhawk first wrote and posted Road Trip. The first archive I could find that was still crawled by Web Archive, thank you Web Archive, um, was from November 2001 on Steel Song, who was an 
another moderator of a large network of websites, a lot of which were Gundam Wing websites, um, and specifically had their own Gundam Wing fanfic archive. By the time that Steel Song had put Sunhawk on their site, which was sometime around November 2001, Sunhawk had already written much of Road Trip. She had already written the first six installments, which is a lot of fic. Um, and at that time, at least in 2001, 2002, Sunhawk was writing Road Trip concurrently with Ion. My suspicion is that Sunhawk probably first wrote this on a mailing list. You know, the one times two mailing list was a really popular one at the time. Um, and so maybe it was that she first started there and then later got into the archives. But this would mean that Sunhawk probably started writing Gundam Wing fic right after Gundam Wing's run on Toonami in 2000. Um, so another thing I did want to point out is that we are really lucky now that Gundam Wing is available on streaming on Hulu, that there's all these wiki sites that we could basically find all the information we would want. It's possible that Sunhawk did not actually have a way to fact check anything that she was writing at the time. And so, you know, one thing I did want to talk about with the fic was this indeterminate canon timeline issue. I don't know when in the series this was supposed to happen. You know, Death Scythe is called Death Scythe. Much later in the series, Wufi's Gundam is referred to as Ultron, which is his second Gundam. Yeah. But mm -hmm. we don't ever get this kidnapping phase that happens in the fic. So I don't know. But then again, I realized when I was Sunhawk in 2001, how was she supposed to have checked that, right? I think also nobody gave a shit back then. Yeah, like it's also <laughs> sort of like, did, did it really matter to your enjoyment? Like you have all the elements of the Gundam Wing pilots and them interacting and the shipping and like it doesn't really matter what canon we're supposed to be in because we're already out of outside of canon i feel like there were only like two timelines for fic and it was basically like pre-endless waltz and then post-endless waltz i never really felt like even though there's definitely a definitive plot split between like from all the episodes we've seen and all the episodes we're about to see I never really felt like picked a... It's, it's sort of an interesting question in, like, film studies, where, you know, up until VHS, there was no way to really rewatch a movie that you were writing about. So a lot of film criticism and film theory was written by people who had only, like, watched the movie once. Um, so there's it's kind of like a pathology we have nowadays that we can rewatch everything over and over again so we can get this sort of like perfect timeline, this perfect like sense of a film. Um, whereas in the past, like nobody ever watched anything like that. And there are, there are some film theorists nowadays who still argue for that as like the true model of cinema, though obviously that's much less prominent now. That, that gets into my whole idea of fanfic as a form of like interpretation. Like fanfic is like a type of criticism of the original series. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that people wanted more of in Gundam Wing uh, was gay shit and safe houses. Yes. Yeah, and it's and it's easy to just like put that in. Like reading Road Trip, I wasn't thinking too much about like where does this fit in the timeline because who cares? This is a first person POV fic, which in my mind now is pretty rare for big fanfics to be first person POV. But you, Mallory, had noted how much this voice sounded like the dub duo voice. Yeah, she has gotten duo's voice down. <laughs> I think it's just the slang that she kind of throws in there, the sort of casual way that he, that duo thinks and speaks feels very of the show. Like I hear Scott McNeil's 
voice in my head <laughs> reading her fic is how good I think it is. Like there's like a, a cheesy earnestness in the dialogue um, of both the show and the fic that I think like works really well and is like really charming. And I think that, so I think Duo's voice is very well established and it is at least, I only read the first two parts, but in the second part, which is Hero's first person point of view, Duo's dialogue lines are also very strongly Scott McNeil-esque, I felt. I think Hero's voice is a little bit less distinct. One of my struggles with these fics was like, does this read as Hero to me? Like, I really wasn't sure. Um... And I'll say, with regards to the first-person point of view, maybe this gets us onto a different topic, but there are so many things about this fic where if I opened a fic like this now in 2020, <laughs> I would hit I would hit the back button so hard. No, oh I really gosh. want to talk about this, yeah. please. This is a great topic. I love this. So I would never read something with this much violence. I'd always be like, well, I don't want to read that. I don't want to read Duo getting beaten up or tortured or whatever. Oh. <laughs> I know, but I like I don't I don't read that sort of fic these days. Like I don't read Wump, the the ancient genre of Wump. Oh, <laughs> Wump! I guess it's like a ancient genre, but an everlasting genre to me. Yes. Kathy, when you were trying to classify this fic, I was thinking this is definitely Wump pre slash. Yes. 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 At least part one is yeah. pre slash. And I would mm-hmm. never read something like that these days. Like if it was if it was tagged pre slash, rated M. And I'd be like, but how can it be rated M if they don't have sex? <laughs> and I, I'd be like, no, there's got to be some other reason for this to be rated M. I can't handle it. I need to go back. Like, I would I would hit the back button so hard. And I'd be wrong because this fic is really good. It definitely feels from, a, from an older time. Yes, I agree. Sure. And I, I second everything Caitlin said. This fic was surprisingly readable. And I know that sounds like a backhanded compliment. But what I mean is... I didn't expect it to still sound as good and like something I would see someone right now, but it is. It's still really good. You know, the voices are really good. The dialogue are really is really good. But everything about it screams back button. Like I hated Katra and Troa even this week. Oh even though they oh do God. nothing, I just yes. hated them. Outside of Gundam Wing, I did not ever read Wump or Hurt Comfort fic. You know, this was just not a genre that I was ever interested in. In Gundam Wing, it was almost unavoidable. I was going to say, there's the no plot. way. <laughs> so you you kind of had to. Especially if you like duo. Yes, especially if yeah. you like to duo. And then, of course, all of the little fandom tropes that kill me now about the fic might actually have not yet been as deeply entrenched in fanon at the time she was writing as they are now. But certainly True. now when I read it, I'm like, well, there's the safe house. Yeah, it's like a checklist almost. Yes. Like, oh, there's that mention of Duo's hair smelling like sandalwood. Yes. Why sandalwood? It was always sandalwood and it was always Duo. Duo's hair always smelled like sandalwood. I mean, it might be this fic, though. Like, yes. this is yes. the, the fic, the landscape of fic reading and stuff there's just less of it and like the people who are into it are like really spending time to find it and stuff we're talking about different archives i read like everything on one times two times one mm-hmm. uh wing and shinigami and wing like and um so i think it was like fanon 
still coalesces pretty fast now, but I think because there's less access to source material too, it's like so much easier for it to grow like this and yeah. just sort of permeate the entire fandom, not just one pairing. Yeah, I mean, like Kat, you were saying earlier, you may not have read this particular fic, but you have definitely read 10 or 15 other ones that are very similar to it in terms of what you can expect from the action and the characters and the pairings. Duo's gonna get hurt. Hero is going to be angry over something that he doesn't need to be angry about. Cho is going to be a calm head. Catra's the kind heart. Wufei, I like in this because he's like the friend, the bro, instead of the standoffish fifth guy. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Wufei is good in this, but he has a better, like, he has more rapport with Duo with than Duo. Hero does. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 was I, like, I was going I to say. I'm sure we were all in on this, but I was side-shipping Duo and Wufei a lot. Wufei gave him a bath. Wufei, Wufei gets him. Gets him. Do, wait, so Sorry. do you guys, can I spoil something about the rest of the road trip arc? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, I, okay, and I will first give readers this warning. If you do want to read the rest of the installments of Road Trip, there are warnings on AO3, but I must add that there is a significant part of Duo's backstory that deals with rape and trauma, and especially um, rape of, of with Duo when he was very underage. So, this is also something that would be auto back button for me. Yes. So I, yeah. I have to I have to put in that disclaimer because I don't want people wandering into the rest of this story. Road Trip, the first installment is fine, but the rest of the story, this it, this is a big part of his character. So please don't read it if it is triggering. But one thing about Wufei is you find out later he actually has a big honking crush on Duo. And he is almost always there. He is almost always there basically like helping um, like pick Duo up and like supplement the emotional stuff that like Hiro doesn't get because Hiro has a bad problem in Road Trip of like treating Duo as like too fragile, which pisses Duo off. And... He comes that to was this, a, a common oh dynamic. He comes, he comes to this like realization that he's like really in love with Duo, but then he has to shelve it because he realizes that Duo and Hiro are soulmates. And so he like pr- he says he'll be a friend forever and he gives like Duo this plush dragon. And then the whole thing is it's set up to be eventually a Wufei and Sally Poe story. But the very last installment that is part 16 of the 16-part series is essentially a story where Duo has an anxiety freakout while Hiro's away. He calls Wufei over to his apartment. They spend a night together, completely platonically. Duo realizes that Wufei is like eaten up inside by something that Wufei won't tell Duo about. And it's like this crush, which all of us know because we all read the part with the Wufei point of view, but like Duo <laughs> didn't get the memo. Oh so my god, I picked up sure. on it and I only read what? one, one so, chapter. Yeah, so I'm not sure what's happening. Handle this. And then at the very end, you know, Wufei is like basically telling Duo that he doesn't want to start dating Sally Poe because he's afraid of like basically something that like, and he phrases it in a way that makes Duo think he's talking about his former dead wife but it's actually about no. duo and then duo says to him you have to let the past go and so then wufei does and calls sally up for a date okay well, the I plush dragon thing just this. lit up eight synapses yeah i have read this fic yeah i think i do remember yes. that yeah i it's possible that this is why i got into two times five 
So I just have to add this here because like I truly felt the same way. Like I shipped Wu Fei and Duo so hard. And the more Hyuto like became this like super protective, like I like this story, but I don't buy it as Hiro characterization. Like, I don't think Hiro is very convincing, but I do find Duo and Wufei very convincing in this series. So, yeah. Well, I think this is a big problem with a lot of Hiro fanon characterization at the time, though. Like, because, like, the logical conclusion of the fanon characterization of Hiro is just a huge asshole nobody wants to date. <laughs> <laughs> when the Toonami series aired, it was, like, a ton of one-two. That was it. It was, like, one-two, three-four, blah, blah. But I think as fan and crystallized, like, pairing diversity also increased. I, yeah, the thing is that I'm I'm fine reading fanfic between assholes that nobody would want to date. That is tends to be the type of fanfic that I read anyway. Look. Um, so, Hero being terrible is fine. The problem is that this fic characterizes him as less terrible than he seems to actually be. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Hero is this... I don't think he's this protective. I don't think he's this in tune with his feelings. Part two really, like, I as as some of you might know, I never read established relationship fix, so I wasn't going to continue past part two anyway. Um, even though they have a lot of problems, I'm just like, all right, they already confessed their feelings. I'm not interested anymore. Um, but I just found it really hard to believe that Hero would be able to confess his feelings or even, like, recognize love emotions or romance that early on it's uh the combined problem of he's an asshole who no one would want to date and the fic is still trying to convince me that him and Dua are like really great together in general so i wrote a lot of gundam wing fic in middle school so i consumed so much of it on fanfiction.net and the characterization ended up getting really really far removed even further removed than this fic from the actual show i guess so one thing I did want to point out, it's less obvious in part one, um, but becomes increasingly obvious as you move through this arc, is the total lack or mention of Relina Peacecraft. And um, and I mean it, she is not mentioned once in this entire fic, which is odd because it goes from middle of the canon through until the post endless waltz and then seven <laughs> to eight years and seven to eight years wow. after the end of endless waltz which and again at by the end of this fix series spoilers duo wufei and hiro all work for the preventers so it seems very <laughs> weird that none of them would interact with relina so like, i did like they would run into relina yeah, i did want to open the floor to talk about relina peacecraft and her place in gundam wing fanfic well, hmm. so either you're a het shipper, yes. um, so you're 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 doing fine. You your hero is probably very different. <laughs> Wait, let's let's be clear that there were a lot of het shippers, and there yes. still are. There there was a a lot of het shipping in the Japanese fandom too. I think Hiro and Relina were popular. Duo and Hildy. And the the official media that came out was like, oh, Duo and Hildy, and oh, Hero and Relina. Yeah. Relina and fanfiction, so you're a hat, you could be a hat shipper, so then she's in it a lot. Or you hate her and she's a monster, and she's the, the thing standing between Hero and Duo falling in love or being together, which I feel like I read a lot of. She could be shipping them, but that was way more rare, mm-hmm. I thought, and then like, just not having her around. So, like, from the perspective of the contemporary moment, it looks 
bad to just not write Relina at all in your 300,000 word fic about characters who talk to Relina all the time. Um, like, it seems bad. But. but. But she was so controversial that I could see, like, I can see the logic of just not including her. And yeah. as a reader, I I often preferred that she just kind of not be there or be, like, very peripheral over, like, I think at the beginning I really enjoyed the, like, Relina hating because it, it was just very viscerally satisfying. But later on it was like, hmm. The other option is, like, write a explainer about why your hero and your fic doesn't love Relina. He only loves Duo. It just becomes, like, tedious to write that every single fic. One thing that I was digging up was a lot of Relina hate sites. And one thing we had talked about in past episodes was kind of like hating her because she was this rich girl. She had this entourage. We couldn't really relate to her. And there was a lot of that in why people expressed why they hated Relina. Like she was spoiled. She had everything. She was obsessed with Hiro. And so she definitely like wanted him as one of her belongings kind of thing. So I think it is one of those moments where now that I've read a lot more other types of Gundam Wing fanfic that I wasn't reading at that time that have, I think, much more interesting Relina characterization and much more, I think, realistic ideas about what Hiro and Relina's relationship would be like. I think, God, I'm so stupid. But I feel that same way about, like, everything I was into back then, right? So, like, it, it is kind of humbling and also funny. Like, reading this fic... It's about as comforting as like finding your favorite high school sweater, you know, in the back of your closet when you're visiting home and putting it on and finding out it still fits. And it's because it sort of hits all of those familiar tropes that I remember reading. Like the use of gods is like yes. a punch yes. in the face. Why does everyone say gods? Yes. Why? Everybody. Okay. And I don't remember, like, I remember this being a thing in Gundam Wing fic, Duo but I don't was remember American why. and was raised in, like, Catholic. A, a Catholic. Why would yeah, he say Duo gods? Yeah, Duo would never. I kind of get maybe the idea of why others would do it if it, this became, like, a post-colony thing, but certainly not Duo. In, like, middle school, I was always wondering, like, oh, what kind of weird event happened in the future that made everybody into, like, a polytheist? Like, I don't, <laughs> like, what kind of world building is this? Yeah, I thought that there had to be, like, a reason, or is there a rule? I kind of thought that just, like, the people writing fanfic at the time tended to be, like, pagans. Like, yeah. like there was fine. And they and they were pushing their pagan agenda by having everybody say gods. No, of God. I a hundred that's a hundred percent my theory. That's what I think it is. So I mean Sunhawk was one of the older writers at the time, but I think a lot of the people who were archivists and writers at the time were older. She was probably at least I want to say in her 30s. They're usually older, some of them are Wiccan or Pagan, and a lot of them were very interested in like education and sort of like bringing up the younger members of the fandom. So Sunhawk specifically, I've like had a personality who was like very educational. I'm not saying that that's why she did particularly this gods thing, but I do think that that was like part of the general dismantling of monotheistic Christian. Christian. God. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about in terms of this fanfic is all the five pilots working together, coordinating pickup and rescue missions. Rendezvous points. How are they in contact with each other? And they all appear to have, like, similar missions. Like, it seems like Hiro and Duo were on this mission together instead of what we see in the show, which is that they don't. Again, I think I just love this idealistic 
view of the Gundam pilots where they're all not just friends, but also comrades in arms. Yeah, I mean, this makes more sense than what the show does, which is that on the show, it's always, oh, they just happen to run into each other on the same mission. And they're like, oh, who are you? Why do you have the same Gundam as me? (laughs) We shouldn't be fighting. But Kaka's the only one who says that. Everybody else is like, let's blow each other up. We joke a lot about how this podcast is basically us questioning the internal logic of Gundam Wing. Like, why would anybody do this thing where they just sent five teenagers without any knowledge that there are four other of them? And just be like, here you go. Complete a vague, unspecified mission. I feel like fanfiction really made them way more competent. Like, there's literally that whole scene where the um, doctors are all like, you guys fucking suck. You're not the perfect soldiers at all. You don't know anything. And then in fic, it's like, Hero's like, I'm the perfect soldier. I know everything. I must be the perfect soldier. Oh, yeah, like, they all seem to be much better fighters than they are in canon. Yeah. In yeah, canon, but- I feel like Wufei is the only one who does his job. And in, in yeah. fanfic, it seemed like they were all doing jobs. Troas, maybe just doing his own thing. But Patrick. he's doing a job. Yeah, clowning. Troas' job is clowning. Everybody got way more trauma than Catra did in fic, even though the show is like, here's Catra's biggest trauma. You know, that's very true. Which didn't even show up in the clip show. <laughs> yeah. It also doesn't really make sense that Katra's always the really sane one in fanfic when mm-hmm. he's the main one we've seen in canon go apeshit. Reading this fic and then watching the clip show, I was like, damn, like, Wufei Trey Zax was like, it's a whole ass universe and it's just like one scene in the first 27 episodes. <laughs> but what a scene. Such a good one. I think that it's important to note that Sunhawk passed away last year. Um, and so we can consider this episode our very weird tribute to her. Yes. Uh, in 2019, in March, there was a post on Sunhawk's live journal by her daughter, who had become, in Sunhawk's words, essentially somewhat of a fandom secretary for Sunhawk, noting that if you are reading this entry now, it means that. She had passed away. Um, She had been diagnosed with cancer um, like in 2015. She said four and a half years ago from the time of the writing of the entry. So Sunhawk, beginning in 2007, did a tradition where every year for the 12 days leading up to Christmas, she would post a ficlet or fan art inspired by her fix, usually one times two related, usually an excerpt from or like a special scene or a bonus scene from one of her stories um, about Duo and Hiro. And she continued that tradition even up until 2019. So prior to her death, she had actually queued up 12 Days of Christmas for 2019, which her daughter posted. And the very last story actually was um, a coda for the Ion arc, which was left unfinished and her daughter finished it for her. And if you have the chance, and of course we'll link to this, I really highly recommend you read the goodbye post from Sunhawk. It's, wait, it's really good. Can I read just a little bit of this? Yes, please. Before I shuffle on off, though, I would be remiss if I didn't address the fandom that I have called home for almost two decades. To everyone, thank you. I realize that we aren't as large as we used to be, that the heyday is over, but I've enjoyed being here and writing for you all. And there is one thing that I've learned through all of my years and all of my time with the fandom, that I want to share that I think applies not just to our little corner of the internet, but all fandom. Write it, draw it, sing it, create it, share it. We all start somewhere. We all start with works that are horribly out of character. 
We write tropes that have been written a million times before. We all stare at blank canvases, unable to get the lines down in a way that we want. And we all scrap ideas that we feel just aren't good enough. But a fandom lives because of the people who produce for it and by those who come to read and view. Yes, maybe that 500-word drabble in which two strapping young men are trapped in a remote cabin during some horrible weather event and there is only one bed isn't your best work. But what about the work after that, or the one that follows? With each creation you learn, you polish yourself, you grow. Never stop yourself from growing. Never let others stop you from growing. Share the stories you have in you. Post your heart, post your art, because at the end of the day, life is too damn short to spend not doing something you love to do. To all of the Gundam Wing fandom and all of my friends, I want to again say thank you for reading my work, supporting me, talking with me. You've made my stay here a pleasant one. I find it really heartwarming. And one thing that I did for this episode is I went back and I read some of Sunhawk's first live journal posts in 2002 when she started her live journal. And even in the comments to people who were, I don't think close friends of hers, you know, just fans, she was always extremely, you know, encouraging and welcoming and always told her fans that they should just write, you know, even if they felt like whatever they did wasn't perfect or wasn't in their words going to match up to what she did. She always told them, just write it. Coming to Sunhawk and realizing that she had spent two decades in a fandom that I think a lot of us consider dead um, and that she was still cranking out work there and like encouraging people and being loving in that fandom. It just is, it's like everything that one hopes one's fandom experience will be like and how they'll be remembered when they leave. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this episode where we talk about, you know, Sunhawk and fanfic and being really young and on the internet with dial-up. I really, you know, appreciate all of your memories, which are also my memories. And together, we'll keep Sunhawk's spirit alive. Um, write it, draw it, sing it, create it, and share it. Thank you very much, and see you in two weeks. <laughs>